Oh, man, these ladies are bringing it tonight, huh? They did a great job. Really grateful for them. Uh, you know, it's really good to get to be back up here uh, this evening. Uh, I know two of the last three Sundays, we've had a couple of our elders uh, bring in uh, each the, the week's message. And uh, man, I've sure enjoyed getting to be under their leadership with you, um, just in order to receive what God's saying to us. And uh, I'm so thankful to have the, the kind of leadership that we have uh, with the hearts uh, that those two guys certainly have, uh, for sure. No question. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, years and years ago, it's been, it's getting more and more years these days, but whenever I was back uh, pursuing my master's degree, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm in a classroom and my professor at the time, he says, um, he said, I have a question for you today. And so we're all theological students. And, um, and he asked the question, he said, can two people be seeking the Holy Spirit and end up at two different destinations? Or does it mean that one of them is not really listening to the Holy Spirit and the other one is? And after some very, very vibrant discussion, you know, we had um, all these folks who are uh, much, much smarter than me uh, in the room that are just discussing the nuances of this question. And, uh, and after all this conversation, we had some that were very passionate about the fact that the only somebody is off. If two people are seeking the Lord, and they end up in two different places, somebody's wrong. And then we had another large portion of the room that's like, no, you put in life experience, you put in all kinds of different things, and yeah, absolutely, two people can be seeking the Lord and end up in two different places, no question about it. Uh, and so the professor, after all of our conversation, helped us all understand the answer is absolutely. There could be two people that their hearts are beating for the Lord and they're seeking God, they're, they're, they're pouring over the word of God and they're seeking his truth and they can have two different outcomes to the same seeking of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You know, we find ourselves today, one of the greatest evidences, I guess, that we have in just like the, the just right in front of our faces is you drive down the road, how many different denominations of churches under the Christian umbrella do you see? There's so many of them, right? And these are all people who love the Lord, who are desiring to seek the truth of the word of God, and we have different theological um, opinions, different theological outcomes, and man, it's all are underneath the umbrella of Jesus. You know, when we began Legacy, it was really important to us to make sure that we communicated over and over and over again that we are an interdenominational church, that we bring all the practices from multiple different denominations under this umbrella as a melting pot to bring the best and to, to rob the best, if you will, from all denominational life. Still, we have differences. You know, we have, have lots of friends of mine that, that we have very different outcomes when it comes to theological positioning and interpretation of scripture and things like that. Um, but the reality is, is that, um, that denominational life is not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. Some people would say it's a bad thing, but it's actually a really good thing because there are so many different types of people on this earth. It illustrates the creativity of our creator. It illustrates the colors that the, the paint strokes that our creator made whenever he was creating this world. And so it's a beautiful thing. Here's what's important 
when it comes to all the different views and everything, it's so important to not take ourselves so seriously, right? It's so important to be able to laugh at ourselves a little bit. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Tim Hawkins before, but Tim Hawkins is a comedian and he does a brilliant bit on denominational life. Now there's about 18 different versions of this. I had to kind of go back to have a good quality because most of them on YouTube are via a, a cell phone. But I encourage you, man, go on YouTube tonight and watch his his take on denominational life. It's absolutely hilarious. But here's one from a, a little while back. You guys take a look at this. You know, denominational, it's funny, right? I mean, because there's some stuff that you're like, oh my gosh, why do we get so bent out of shape about these things? But the reality is, is that differences within the Christian community are not new. They've been going on for years and years and years. Last week, Darren brought us into the very first missionary journey of Paul. Uh, the greatest missionary ever to have walked the face of this planet besides Jesus himself. And, uh, and as, he, as he completed this journey, then he was getting ready for the second missionary journey. Um, on that first journey, Paul had Barnabas with him. He wasn't by himself, he had Barnabas with him. And so as they were trying to decide who was gonna go on the next missionary journey to share the gospel all over the Roman world, uh, they're trying to decide who's gonna go. Well, they had a sharp difference of opinion as to who should go on this journey. One felt like there was someone who had betrayed the faith that needed to be on this journey. The other said, no, it's not okay for that to happen. And so they had this huge difference of opinion. And so what they decided to do is to go separate ways. Now, some can look at that and go, this was a terrible thing. There's not unity within the kingdom of God from the very beginning here, right on these first missionary journeys. But you have to understand what happened. What ended up happening that looks like a really, really bad thing, what ended up happening was both, or you, you took one expansion of the gospel and now it became two. And so the gospel spread at twice the rate as opposed to one time the rate. And so it began to multiply like that. And as time has gone on, the diversity within the Christian community has reached more and more and more people all over the world. And it's become a beautiful thing. But a lot of people would look at that and go, this is a problem. This is not good. There's not unity. No, no, no. There's unity on the major pieces that Jesus is Savior. There's unity 
on the triune God, God the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. But when it starts talking about braiding your hair or not and wearing skirts a certain way or not, tattooing your body or not, and all these kind of things, who gives a rip about that stuff? That's not what matters most. That's not, those are not eternal conversations. And so it's important for us to see that when it comes to our differences, God can redirect for good. There's always humanity in these differences, always. But what we have to understand is in that humanity, God can redirect for God's good purposes that bring life to more and more people here on this earth. You know, as Darren took us on the the first of three missionary journeys that we're gonna be discussing uh, throughout the Roman Empire, um, we know the areas that he talked about last week are Syria, Turkey, and the island of Cyprus. So those were the areas that, that, that Paul, in his first missionary journey, uh, that he went on. And what Darren helped us understand from the text was that we should expect the unexpected. That this is the way that Jesus works. We always expect the unexpected. There was this transformation of Saul. Saul was one that was persecuting Christians as one of the religious elite. And because of this miraculous conversion experience, he then became one of the greatest missionaries named Paul, that we're now using his text as our foundational text for what we're studying. And so this unbelievable, unexpected transformation of Saul to Paul, and then of course there were numerous conversions of this unexpected people group. People were expecting the Jewish community to be be transformed because of Jesus, but what ended up happening was it got expanded to this group of people known as the Gentiles. These are people who are not culturally Jewish, and they began to say yes to Jesus because Paul focused not only on the Jewish community, but also the Gentiles because Jesus is for everyone. And so we have this amazing transformation that's taking place in a very unexpected way to a very unexpected group of people. And then Darren brought us into this question that is a brilliant question for us to wrestle through as a church, and that is, are there any groups of people that we may be guilty of giving up on? Is there any group of people that we may be guilty of giving up on God doing anything good through them today? And if the answer is yes, we need to check our heart. We need to take a look at our heart and be thinking, wait a minute, God can use the differences of people for his good, to do mighty works, to multiply the gospel across this earth, rather than eliminate and squash by being exclusive. And so what a beautiful question. I hope that you've been wrestling through that, and I hope that you'll continue wrestling through that as we take this next journey tonight. And so we're talking through what it means to be a missionary, what it means to be a missionary in an ever-widening world of questions and an ever-widening philosophical debate about God and the gospel of Jesus. And so today... Here's our key truth, you ready? Make time for others. This is it. Well, we, we get nothing else today, just in our minds, we have to make time for other people. It's so easy to get in our routine where we do the same thing one day, we go to sleep, we get up the next day and we do the same thing again and we get in these routines and we're in our circles and they're insulated and isolated and we're not making time for neighbors and coworkers and, and making new friends and things like that. And consequently, we become the end users of this really beautiful life that God has for everybody here on this planet. And so we gotta make time. 
We make time for other people. Tonight, our text, we're going to be in Acts chapter 17, Paul's second missionary journey. And as you turn to Acts 17, obviously, Bible, iPad, physical Bible, we're also going to have the scripture on the screen. Um, whichever way you want to access this, go ahead and get there. Uh, but, but on the second journey, eventually, Paul made his way from Syria into Thessalonica and then into Athens on his second missionary journey in order to share the good news of Jesus. Now, Athens is a, a familiar term, and it is indeed modern-day Greece that we're talking about here. And so this is where he landed, and Athens, Greece, where Paul eventually ended up, was a polytheistic spiritual center for the Greek people. It was a think tank. It was a, a place where the great philosophers of the day gathered, and they would talk, and they would, they would pontificate, and they would, they would compare, and they would debate, and they would work out the world religions of the day. There were idols everywhere in Athens, Greece, because they thought that it was a really, really good thing to have as many gods as possible because it created this, this acceptance of everything. And so we have all these idols, and Paul shows up to town, and he's looking at all these different idols throughout the community, and he's just taking note. He's studying the culture. He's studying the people. He's looking through everything because how is he going to apply the gospel of Jesus in this context? Because Jesus says he is the only way. He is the way. But yet here he is in Athens, Greece. How's he going to navigate this? How's this going to work? And so when Paul got to town, he sees all these idols all over the place that people are worshiping in different world religions and different ways. Um, he decides in that moment, this is another example where he's not going to just be speaking to the Jewish community. He's going to go to the marketplace. He's going to go where these philosophers um, and these thinkers are having their conversation. And so he went there. He made time for them. And in a way that the Lord does, he got their attention. He entered into the conversation, began asking questions, began noticing things around town, and began working with these philosophers. So much so that they really liked what he was saying. They were drawn to it. They were spiritually curious about what he was talking about. And so they asked him to go speak at a place called Mars Hill. And as he went to Mars Hill, this is also known as the Areopagus. The Areopagus is not just a location, but it's also a governing body. So these are the powers that be of the day, where all the prominent, uh, powerful thinkers and money and all that kind of stuff, it was all right there. And so they asked him to come and to speak to this group of people in this specific place and to tell what he had been telling them um, in their conversations. Um, and so in verse 19, we pick it up there, Acts chapter 17, verse 19, they, it says this, they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. Verse 21, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there, they spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. And so it's a lot of knowledge going on, a lot of talk going on, not a lot of action 
that was taking place at the time. And so Paul uses the opportunity to take one of their idols that he saw in his study of the culture, and he used it to point to Jesus. Verse 22, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, and he said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now Paul goes on to explain that while a broad religious outlook may seem beneficial, it may seem good, it may seem ideal, he pointed out, though, that these shadows, these idols that they've been worshiping, these ideas, these identities that they've been chasing, the pursuit of their intellectualism, the end goal of all of this, this whole pursuit, this whole activity is discovered and known in the person of Jesus. All of these different religions, all of these different idols, all of these different pursuits of life, the pursuit of happiness, they're found in Jesus. And so throughout Paul's speech, he does remarkable things. He quotes from the Greek philosophers because he'd studied the culture. He learned from them. He, he used the poets that they would have been very familiar with. And eventually he illuminated a really powerful, interesting point. And the point is this. All truth is God's truth. Anything on this earth that is true is God. Anything that's on this earth that is good is God. Anything on this earth that is not true is not God. Anything on this earth that is not good is not God. It's a very oversimplification of a very large understanding and truth. God had been speaking to the Greeks for a long time before Paul ever showed up. God had been, in, it, it had been um, drawing them to himself for years and years and years. Been using their language, giving them glimpses of his true self, in what their hopes are, what they're shooting for, what their goals are in life, in preparation for when the gospel would reach them through this person, this unlikely person named Paul. And so he quoted from one of the poets and philosophers of the culture, and he made a very strong statement to all of the hearers of the Areopagus that the entirety of their life is found in God. You wanna know the answer to anything that you're pursuing and wondering? The answer is found in God. And he says this, verse 28, he says, for in him or in God, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. We are God's offspring. We are God's creation. We are God's offspring. Now, let me make sure that I'm clear of what Paul is and is not saying, okay? One thing Paul is is saying is that all world religions do not end up at the same place. This is a very common thought in our world today, and it's, it's, it's one that sounds really good, but it's a chasing after the wind. All world religions do not end up at the same place, but other world religions are an attempt at God's truth. There is a pursuit after God's truth because all things on this earth have been created by God and he wrote in our lives, in our desires, a draw to him. And so all of this truth, all of this that is in our world, Paul is helping us still understand today, God is the answer through Jesus. 
for what we're seeking and what we're looking for. I mean, we can see through this second missionary journey something that's important, and that is that Paul is keenly aware of the power and presence of God. See, Paul is very aware of what's happened in his life, the transformation that took place in his life, and he's aware that, that God is with him, that God is, is in him and through him, and in such a way that he's able to stay grounded in his faith in an environment with people that are amazingly convincing incredibly intelligent of how all of this stuff can end up at the same place. Paul is able to see the power and presence of God and remain grounded in Jesus among all the brilliant thinkers and persuasive debaters in Athens. And so when we insert ourselves into this story, one of the practices that we do, we insert ourselves into the story, and when we think about the work of missions, we think about local missions, we think about international missions, we think about living life here on this earth as an ambassador for God the Father himself, it's really important to remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15. In verse four, he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you go your own way in a way that is different than Jesus, you will not bear the fruit of Jesus. That's just what he's saying here. In order to, to remain true as a Christ follower, we have to remain connected to Jesus. Verse five, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in, the, in you, you will bear much fruit. You will impact lives here on this earth for good if you remain in Jesus. If you do not remain in Jesus, Apart from me, you can do nothing to bring God's kingdom of good and eternal life from heaven here to this earth. It requires Jesus in order to make that happen. And so we have to be grounded in this truth where we stand on this rock of truth in order to speak and to hear and to learn all of the stuff in our world and to be able to perceive and figure out what are people really looking for? What is this world religion really looking for? What is this way of life? What is this identity really looking for? And then we're able to kind of parse it out, studying it, making time in order to help see what's really being sought after and call a person to Jesus in that, that moment. The philosophers that Paul was talking to, they were using all kinds of thoughts. <laughs> they were using doing all the thinking and all the talking, but there wasn't a lot of action going on with them. This is a common trait. We see this in our day today all the time. And so Paul knew, and he saw this, and then he teaches us that an effective missionary should be grounded in Jesus and should be a cultural expert should be grounded in Jesus and should be a cultural expert in the people that they are going to share Jesus with in order to see the best way to help people discover what they're really searching for. It requires Jesus and it requires studying the culture of people. Whatever that world culture is or whatever that geographic culture, whatever. I mean, heck, it's different in Texas than it is in New York, right? We gotta study. We're gonna be in New York, you better study New York. Heck, it's different in Williamson County as it is to Travis County, right? 
So you got to figure things out. You got to know the rules of engagement. You got to know how people work. You got to know the thought process, how people talk, value systems, and all that kind of stuff. It's different. We, I mean, we've spent some time in Haiti. We know it's very different in Haiti than it is in the Dominican Republic. Really different. And it's the same island, but very, very different. All because of a mountain range that separates the two. It's a pretty crazy deal. And so like when we go to Haiti, here's kind of an interesting uh, perspective here, but, but it's important that when we go to Haiti, being a cultural expert of Haiti means that we need to know that every time we go there, a major religious influence is voodoo. It's very, very, it's intertwined in a lot of ways within the church, even the Christian church, because Catholicism and voodoo merged a while back in a really rough way. And so there's been some undoing of all of that ever since. And so what's important for us to understand when we go there, it doesn't mean that as we learn more about voodoo, that we accept and embrace voodoo as God's design. That's not what, that's not what the study of and immersing ourselves and understanding the culture, that's not what that means. What it means is we need to know that people who are drawn to voodoo are looking for a savior to heal them. People that are drawn to voodoo are looking for someone to make them feel loved. They're looking for someone to protect them, to provide for them, and somebody or something to identify with. And many Haitians, they see this in the, in the local witch doctor. The local witch doctor is powerful. The local witch doctor has influence in the community. And so they seek out the witch doctor. But the truth is, they're not needing a witch doctor. They need Jesus. And so we gotta be able to see what are people looking for and what do they see? And when they're looking for it in this lane, how do we help move over into a different lane? a lane that actually will bring life rather than enslave them for all of their lives and where they lose all of their possessions that have ever been in their name. They lose their wife, they lose their children, all that kind of stuff. It's destructive. And so we get to go there and show a different way. See, the people that Paul shared the gospel with on his second missionary journey, they didn't need more religion. There's plenty of religion in this world. Plenty of that. They didn't need more philosophy. They didn't need another choice to choose from, which is why they had the idol to the unknown God, just to make sure they covered everything, right? They didn't need that. They needed the one true God, and Paul recognized that. Paul saw that, man, you're chasing after all of this and going nowhere. Let's focus on the person and the being that can take you where you're dreaming of going. And that's what he was able to do, was kind of bring everything to the tip of the spear. And the same is true in our world today. We see this all the time. And so here's what you have to understand. Look at the words on the screen. You're a missionary. This is you. If you have called on the name of Jesus as your Savior, and you trust God with your life, and you know that your eternity is secure because you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're promised eternity. You are a missionary. And what your job is, is not to convince people that you're right. Your job is to look 
and by God's discernment and by the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit, learn people, study people, and begin to figure out what is it that they're really looking for? Not so that you get swayed by whatever it is that a person's looking for, but that you know the way to life. And since you know the way to life, you can look and go, man, you're chasing after something that's not going to bring you life. You're chasing after something that once you end there, you're just going to need more, and then you need more and need more. And it's this chasing after the wind. So you're a missionary. You're a missionary here in this earth. And so as a missionary, studying the cultures, there's one thing that you can be guaranteed. It doesn't matter what culture it is. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. It doesn't matter how much money people have or how little money people have. You want to know what every single person on this earth is looking for? They're looking to belong. They're looking to be loved. Every single person. They want to be a part of something that's bigger than them. They want to be loved unconditionally. It's what they're looking for. doesn't matter where you go in this world. That is what people are looking for. And many look to religions as a way of life or as ways of life as an attempt to create the fullness of life that is found through Jesus. They're looking in all these different ways. And so what's important for us to remember, Paul did not say to the Areopagus, all idols are accepted. He didn't say that. He said that all idols are an attempt to find God, and Jesus is the way to what all are looking for. That's what he said. Jesus is the way to belong. Jesus is the way to be loved. Jesus is the way to be saved. Jesus is the way to be provided for, to be delighted in. This is Jesus. And we can learn a lot from Paul. We can learn a lot from this teaching here as long as our desire is to discover God's truth. As long as our desire is to discover God's truth, we're going to be okay. But if our desire is to discover a truth, then we're chasing after the wind. The desire has to be to discover God's truth. And that's where learning comes because people in this world are tirelessly clamoring for God, tirelessly chasing after their identity in so many things. They're talking, they're debating about what is true and what is not, and the answer to all their questions are found in the person of Jesus. We just have to invest, make the time, let the Spirit guide us, in the discerning process, like we read about in Paul, and then we can help other people know about God through their already existing worldview. Find common ground. But we gotta take the time to understand their worldview. What are they really looking for? Understanding does not mean we are influenced or swayed by another worldview. That's an important one. It does not mean that we're influenced or swayed. Last week, I was talking to Rachel, and she had read something in a Bible uh, plan that she was reading, and I thought this was really pertinent and really good for us to, to, to add to tonight's message, and that is the gospel is not a river. It's a rock. It's important to understand that. The gospel is not something that flows here, there, and everywhere. It is a rock of our salvation. 
It is foundational where everything builds off of that. It's not up for discussion. It's not up for opinion. It's fact, it's true, and we stand on it. And as we stand on that, then there's safety, security, respect, care, acceptance, approval. It all comes from that. And so, may we have this unwavering foundation as Christ followers. May we always be aware of the power and the presence of God, just like we see in Paul here. May we have or may we develop a heart of understanding for other people's experiences. This is important. May we make time for other people. It's not just about us. May we make time for other people and may we help others see and know the God of all that is true. Father, we love you and we praise your name tonight. And Lord, we know that as we read your word here and we see Paul and we, we, can, we can see Central Texas in this story. We can see that this truth, it isn't just for first century Athens, Greece. This truth is true for us today. And Lord, as we look at the think tank that we live in here, Lord, may we be grounded in Jesus. And may we see that the chasing after for life and satisfaction and a future and all of that, Lord, it is all a chasing after you. And Lord, there's all kinds of viewpoints about you. Lord, may we be a true picture of you. May we be unwavering in our faith. May we be inclusive in our relationships. May we listen, may we speak, and Lord, may you give us wisdom to be able to discern what is really being sought after. And then Lord, will you insert the thought, the words, the way, the story, whatever, that brings that pursuit in line and in sync with you. That Lord, it takes away all doubt. It takes away all question. It takes away the wavering reality to bring it to the rock, to bring it to this firm foundation that we receive in you. And Lord, may we stand on that. May we live in a way that is caring and good we bring your goodness to all of this world. Father, we love you and we praise your name and we sure are grateful for this transformation of Saul to Paul and this second missionary journey as he makes his way to Athens, Greece and all that it does for us as your followers. Lord, we love you. We pray all this through the discerning name of Jesus. Amen.